Hello, welcome to Boss Women, a podcast about women, comedy and business. My name's Katie and this is my mum, Karen. Who have we got today, Karen? Uh, we have a very, very old friend of mine. Steady. <laughs> from many, many years ago. Uh, the fabulous Kate Copstick, TV presenter, writer, critic, director, and producer. She founded a charity called Mama Biashara. Correct, well done. Oh, yes, good. and uh, which helps um, the poorest women and families with HIV in, Can- in Kenya to set up small sustainable businesses. I just wanted to get that out because yep. it is an amazing thing you yep. do. But we want to talk about everything, all about you, Kate. Okay, how long have you got? <laughs> the next week. <laughs> how are you, Kate? How's your festival? Uh, I'm knackered. Are this you? is the beginning of week three. I'm puggled. Um, yeah, it's, it's been okay. Well, you and I are getting on a bit. Well, I know we are. We're knocking on, to be oh, fair. bugger off. Because I, I first it. came... Can I just say, Kate Copstick performed... Oh, I know you McNally's. told me. No, yes. In 1985. You said this oh, in one yes. of the previous episodes. Yeah, yeah. That, so was, that was... In 85. Scene of... It's one of my... A cabaret performer. Oh, yeah, indeed. You know when people say, what disasters have you had <laughs> on stage? Yeah. Well... Um, uh, Karen asked me to perform it now, very excited. And so, have you been performing before oh, her though? So, how did it kind of come about? How have you not told her about my sparkling <laughs> cabaret career? I have! What do you like? You know, Please young people don't listen. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, um, I got my equity card doing, well, I, I did a bit of acting and whatnot. I got my equity card doing a cabaret show called Chasing Rainbows. You know, I am always chasing rainbows. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1920s, 1930s musical comedy, if you yeah. can imagine. Me in a blonde wig. <laughs> and yeah. frocks. Mm-hmm. And it just went... Chiffon frocks. Chiffon, yeah. Chiffon. <laughs> it's something oh, daring <laughs> the continental. <laughs> um, uh, and... Oh, it takes you back. Oh, it certainly does. So it was all great. Got the equity card was making money wonderful mm. and then didn't did a few other shows so the blonde wigs were put in the box and whatnot mm-hmm. and uh, then kind of did a few again then excitingly got the big booking from McNally's and <laughs> uh, not just one night either mm. and uh, so got the blonde wigs out the box again now I I think I'd lost a bit of weight but what I didn't realize was when you lose weight your head loses weight <laughs> I mean, at least my... It wasn't that I'd had my hair cut. Yeah, yeah. Because we were there, lovely, we do... Um, you know, the rehearsals were kind of... We do that, that, one of those, burl round, da, 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 da. Tiny wee stage, by the way. Totally wee stage. Yeah. And um, so got in the frock, thinking, okay. Put the wig on, because I had... Put the wig on, and it's like down to the eyebrows. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I've gone slightly wrong. So... Up with it. It was the Marcel Wave one for the mm-hmm. 1920s, and it's got the headband around there. So I'm a couple of Kirby grips in. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going. It's all lovely. Not the easiest venue, it has to be said. Sure, because they've got it's this totally stage at the top, and then there's a bar that That's goes right. for about 100 yards <laughs> off into the distance. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, as you're giving your theatrical all, 
You've got uh, two pints of ten yeah. in the back yeah. of the crisp. So you just kind of sing louder and louder as the yeah. evening goes on and more tenants is uh, yeah. consumed. Yeah. So big finish to part one is a thing called the Great Lover Tango. And we did co- we did choreography. Oh, it's quite exciting. <laughs> so uh, the the end was great love tango, da 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 da, burled round, and then I did a dip mm-hmm. over Ian, the, the other guy, the, his arm. Yeah. So we went da da da, burl, dip, and as I dipped, <laughs> I just felt the wig fall off. Now onto I, the flare. Yeah. No, onto a table. Oh no. With a pint of beer on it. Oh no. Well, several pints of beer. <laughs> Because, you know, the tables are really close. close. Yeah, sure. Now, not only that, but under the wig, I had a white rubber Speedo cap (laughs) with the word Speedo written over my right eyebrow. So I'm there and I'm thinking, this is... This is too bad a thing. They can't have... I'll close my eyes and I'll open them again and it won't have happened. But it had. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think, okay, okay. What would Morecambe and Wise do? So I got up, grabbed the wig, deliberately put it on back to front, yeah. and did kind of staggering around the stage blinded. <laughs> uh, what a memory! And then, oh. it was very dramatic, kind of. <laughs> And then our lovely uh, pianist, David, he had his back to us, so he's still playing away. Uh, I go over to him, and with channeling Eric Morecambe, I grab him by the shoulders and say, keep playing, David, I don't think they've noticed. <laughs> but of course he didn't know anything had happened so he went into shock and immediately stopped playing <laughs> wondering what, what on earth was happening yeah. uh, but it, and at the end God bless an Edinburgh audience mm. I'm like oh I, I love that bit where your wig fell off <laughs> so yeah, but it was but scarred for life I've never <laughs> used a wig again no I actually had memories of you uh, leaning over the piano but uh, it wasn't a baby grand, was it? No, <laughs> no, it's, I know exactly. <laughs> Lolling across the baby grand. We never rose to the heights yeah. of a baby grand. Yeah, yeah, on the tiny totes. Although I did, I did uh, the James Whale show. It's an unbelievable career. People don't realise that on the James Whale show at midnight on Channel Forty Six. No, but yeah, yeah. I used to go on and sing dirty songs. Did you? Yeah, whatever it was that he was was the theme. I would go on and sing a dirty song mm-hmm. about it. And he did. He had a grand piano. And there was one song which I wrote. Uh, it was about um, hands. That was the, It was left-handedness and right-handedness was the theme of his show. So I did a show about hands. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear what well, you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can only imagine. Well, exactly. Would you believe it? It ended up being a little bit about masturbation. I thought it might be. not predictable. But, um, and I was in this tight rubber dress. Those were the days. <laughs> And I did, I got to lie along the top of a grand piano. Didn't Amazing. you? Well, I, once they got me up there, I couldn't move. Yeah. I had to be held <laughs> to top. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish and I'd seen that. And it's, what people, a lot of people don't realise about rubber, it, it is wonderful. It's a very unforgiving fabric. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once you're in it, you do sweat. Even people who don't sweat. And I'm not a sweaty person. Mm-hmm. But... 
I was, I'm lying there and there's the, I get this sensation because of course they do uh, a bit of a rehearsal and all that and then yeah. you're there and it's the lights and, mm-hmm. and I got this out I thought I'm pissing myself oh, no because no. <laughs> I could just feel yeah, the heat trickle yeah. all the and, on your legs yeah. and I thought oh my god <laughs> so when they eventually did peel me off the piano yeah. there was a puddle <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's not what you think, it's not what you think, but I don't even know if that was any better. (coughs) It's not piss, it's sweat. (laughs) I mean, I still don't envy the person that had to clean it up. up. (laughs) Uh, Well, Kate, you've had a very long and varied career, which we will go into, but we'd like to take you back to childhood. Oh my God. Oh my God, would we? Well, oh we'd like God. to start with your right. your life and sure. your your family upbringing. and oh. your upbringing, and you don't have to go into it if you're if you're oh, reluctant to discuss. No, I had a wonderful childhood. Oh well, that's what we want to hear. Just bloody well. Um, For context, I'll just put it in context that this podcast is all about me learning from my mum and the relationship between mother daughter, basically. Ah. So, so we will be asking you a lot about your mother and your relationship. Yeah, so ah. know, as part of your upbringing, what your relationship was like. I like with your that. Parents. She's obviously never listened to the podcast. No, right. Nobody's <laughs> listened. Come on. Don't no. say nobody. Oh yes. Oh, this is the brilliant <laughs> podcast about mothers and daughters. Of course. No, no but we. But some people are listening, Katie. No, don't say that. No, no, no. It builds. It builds. It builds. Can't expect everyone that we have on to have listened to it. Okay. See, I'm in Kenya half the year. I know, exactly. It's difficult and to I'm get stuff. I'm dying to hear about that as well. But, <laughs> but no, I the, the most. The only uh, thing I would say is, um, and there's not many people share my trauma. Oh, really? Your childhood trauma. But uh, I was. Um, Two years, ten months old. Mm-hmm. And you know, you've just got your head around the fact that you are the centre of the universe. Mm-hmm. And then my mother was thoughtless enough, honestly, I don't know how she could do it, to give birth to triplets. <laughs> no. Wow. You were a big sister to triplets. I was a big sister to triplets. And it was, um, and my mum, because that was shall we say, not yesterday. Well, it was like <laughs> 1959. I, completely natural triplets. Wow. Which just so obviously both my mum and my dad were... Hang on, were, you were born in 1961. I was born in 1956. Well, do you know something? Wikipedia's wrong. wrong. <laughs> God bless Wikipedia. 1961, yes. <laughs> 1961. Honestly, Wikipedia says 1961. Oh, well I've done thought- Wikipedia. You said you're because I'm you're the same age as my brother. It's what I thought. Ed, today oh, I'm so glad. Don't nobody change it. Nobody go and edit the page. That is fantastic. So, yes. so when I was born in 1961, <laughs> and when I was two years ten months old, uh, you know they, they were. It was completely natural. Mm. Um, wow. But yeah, well, there wasn't any of that. No, but that, stuff. Yeah. Are then, we talking about your birth natural? Or oh, no, me. No, me I was, well... You were also natural. The <laughs> best... It was only later I became unnatural. <laughs> the best thing that happened... My my mum and dad met in Austria mm. uh, because she was a teacher and my dad was there with the Army of Occupation. Oh, right. And all my life, I thought, uh, because they were married on uh, May the 25th, I was born February the 25th. Right. And I always thought that what had happened was mum and dad, all lovely, they got married, first night of passion, Mm -hmm. preggers, me, 
end of fun. Because what I knew was they'd been having a you know marvellous life with all that. And then I thought, I kind of spoiled all that. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I, I felt... I, I didn't feel that quite seriously because, you know, my mum was amazing, beautiful, fin- just the most amazing breasts <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Great figure, fabulous singing voice, played she the piano. Women oh, she was days. just gorgeous. Mm. Uh, and, the, I mean, I don't mean just a mum, but then she was just a mum. Mm-hmm. And I always thought maybe if I hadn't come along right then, it so would have been So you blamed yourself? Well, I thought, you know, if they'd had more time, mm-hmm. anything could have happened, and I kind of put the kibosh on all that. Well, I would have thought triplets would, not you. <laughs> so then, um, I don't know, I think maybe I was... I must have been uh, in my mid-30s. Late, no, mid-40s. And I was down visiting my sister who was uh, in Plymouth at the time and had a young kid. And uh, Dad and I used to go down sometimes to help her, help her out, because then she had another baby. And uh, there was this time I was... Get, Dad was driving me to the station and Susan, my sister, said, Dad, uh, have you told Kate about the certificate? And Dad just went puce. Mm. And I thought, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I'm adopted. Uh, what else? But uh, just immediately, the certificate. I thought, I'm adopted. This is, oh. And Dad was like, <laughs> you know, very Scott Paisley, from Paisley. <laughs> and so we got in the car, and a really awkward silence, yeah. got to the station. And I was like, oh, you know, Paisley, Dad, you don't need to, um, you don't need to tell me if you don't want to, but, you know, tears in the corner of the eyes, I said, but what's all this about a certificate? And uh, I said, that's right, you don't need to. Anyway, he told me. Um, he and Mum had met in Austria, and it was like the greatest passion in the history of the world. Mm. And then... Uh, he came back and mum was still out there and he would go out and it was, it was just, you know, love with a capital L. Yeah. And then when mum came back, she was an Edinburgh girl and dad's Paisley and they kept meeting and then, and not to put too fine a point on it, we're at it like rabbits mm. from what I can gather. Yeah. And then... They kind of ran away, um, and they felt that what they had was they so eloped. amazing. Well, they they weren't getting married. Oh, they just they were just together because they thought, even then, this is just so incredible and so powerful. We don't, we don't need to get married. Mm. And then very got, modern. Yeah. Well, exactly. Uh, and then mum got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And they still went, well, this is, this is just, we'll have this marvellous free thing and we'll have a baby and it's all going to be wonderful. Um, and they just had this kind of bohemian life, which yeah. was not really something I 
associated yeah. with mum and dad. You never do, really. No, yeah. Because um, a mum is a mum and a dad is a dad. Yeah. Uh, and then, so what happened was um, they kind of ran out of money and obviously mum couldn't work mm. What with me. And they contacted their families and both the families said, yeah, we'll help out. And my grand, my dad's mum said, look, you can come and stay with me, Albion Street, Paisley, you know, we'll sort you out, no problem, but you've got to get married. We're not having any of this, you know, bohemian nonsense um, (laughs) in Paisley. Yeah. Uh, So they got married and again, I think it must have been their parents, my grandparents, said, right, and we'll be having none of this born out of wedlock nonsense for we Katie. <laughs> so they changed the date on their marriage license. Oh, I see. To make it look like I'd so been born funny. after they got married. Wow. And, and that's the license they're talking about. And that was the license Susan was talking about because she needed it for something. I don't know whether it was maybe registration of her daughter or yeah. something. And she'd noticed this wee tipexy bit <laughs> and gone... <laughs> What's all that about? <laughs> and so I said to Dad, you know, like, I'm a love child. Yeah. It's the best thing I've ever found out about myself, <laughs> ever. Yeah. Why didn't you tell me? And he said, oh, I thought you might be upset. I was like, what do you mean upset? Yeah. I've lived practically my entire life thinking I'd ruined everything for you and Mum, and yeah. now I'm a love child. Yeah, and it yeah. took you till you were 40, yeah. in your 40s, to find that. It was just fantastic. And also fantastic to find a whole... When my mum died, my mum died when I was 17, very, very suddenly. She had a brain hemorrhage. Oh, no. And basically, uh, she went in the hospital one a Tuesday night, and she was dead by, like, three o'clock in the morning. Mm. And so none of us were remote. She would just go into hospital with a bad headache. She was 41. No, how old were the the triplets? Uh, They were 30. Uh, 14 just uh, for the audience triplets boys girls uh, one boy two girls alright trizygotic triplets oh uh, which oh. means they're all completely different oh are they oh wow fabulous um, <coughs> well I don't know they're fabulous <laughs> they're alright <laughs> you weren't jealous were you oh my god was I jealous were you mm. oh what an admission to say that though. oh terribly terribly just because they took... Well, anyone who says they're not, I would say, is a liar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or a psychopath who doesn't even notice when all the attention gets taken away mm-hmm. Did you feel like they you. had a disconnection as well? Did no. you feel like you were... No, they, 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 I never... Because they were so different. There was... Exactly. Yeah. The, it wasn't like they all knew what each other were thinking. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Uh, we all had to go at each other yeah. as much as... Yeah, I always got on best with my brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, largely because I just wanted when I was like quite wee, boy, I wanted to be a boy. Yeah, I really wanted to be called Ken. <laughs> Ken. Somebody, I know. Oh, I know. I don't so know you why. can identify with all these transitions. Well, you do. You go. You know. I think there's like whenever I do these uh, psychometric tests, I always come out male. Really. Always come out male, and every anything. 
people all, people have always said to me, oh, you think like a man, you think like a man. I think I do think like a man, and I'm very happy to think like a man. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that should ne- necessitate a mastectomy yeah. and uh, false cock. No. And, uh, <laughs> Which is you know, what's I, happening now. Yeah, I think we need to allow... And not necessarily... We've got this big thing now about naming everything. Yeah. You know, yes. you've got to have a name. You can't just go, well, I feel a bit this. Yeah. You have to have a Well, a Katie name. told me before the festival I had to be really careful that I have to talk to people as they or something. Oh, I know. I wasn't saying that. I was just saying this is a thing that you need to be aware of. But I still don't I, understand. I know. Actually, I agree with you. It's just like... Whatever you want to be, be that. That's exactly it. I mean, I've I've know. always thought, and I've never. But also, I was, don't get angry at me if I oh, fuck it up completely. You know, if I say completely. The thing. It's um. I was going to say the interesting thing. It's not interesting apart from to me. <laughs> um, I have never. I would never describe myself as a woman. I would describe myself yeah. as female. Yeah. I don't feel like a woman. Uh, I see women who I think these are women. I think my mum was a woman. Mm-hmm. I'm not. There's a bit. When I say missing, that makes it sound negative. But mm. I don't feel like a woman. You I feel look female. like a woman. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel. I, I think I'm female. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I. I think there's gazillions of people, especially now, that every time you take a breath or take a drink of water. You're ingesting all manner of hormones mm. and physiologically altering drugs. Yeah. Um, there's about four uh, shows I've been to see where they're going, did you know that the sperm count has dropped by 60% in the Western world over the last 40 years? Tight genes, though. And well... <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I want to ask you about your relationship with your mother. Because I know we could we could talk all morning and all day with you, and it's going to you have got so much to tell us and so yeah. much to say. So we'll just get through the You're little subjects. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> you have some very very good interesting points, and uh, we'd like to hear them. So your relationship with your mother, because I didn't realise she died when you were yeah, seventeen. Yeah. So it yeah. must have been she a was, very traumatic time. That was. Because we, Katie wants to know life lessons you learnt from your mother. So, oh. or if, if she passed on any lessons to you, not all mothers pass on lessons. So, oh yes, oh. But what um, was your relationship? Because my, we had quite a turbulent relationship, especially during my teens. So I was we, fine, by the way. Yeah, no. Well, you. <laughs> so, so what you're saying, Katie, is you were a, a problem yeah. teenager. <laughs> exactly, I was a nightmare, but. Yeah, Not just to that, me, I still loved you very much. And <laughs> um, just that relationship dynamic of when you were wee and then getting into becoming a teenager. How? Oh, what was I, your my mum like? was. She was fantastic. Oh. Just, um, just so. I mean, I I don't have any bad memories. Yeah. I she she was so clever and talented. Uh, but she wanted to be a stay-at-home mum. She was a teacher. Uh, she was a teacher uh, originally, yes. Mm. Um, but but her whole family are so artistic. They all play, they sing, they're so musical. That's where you got your artistic. And mum was, uh, I mean, I, for example, um, mum was a member 
from when I was very young of the Paisley Operatic Society. Oh, right. And uh, I remember the first... Uh, it was the old Glasgow Theatre mm-hmm. that where they used to do it, which was death trap, but <laughs> wonderful, you know, and it yeah. smelt like a theatre. Yeah. Um, the first show she did with them was the Pirates of Penzance, and it, they did it so... They put a lot of money into their production, so there's great scenery, fabulous frocks. Did you go? Did I go? Well, <laughs> from the get-go... Uh, one of the wonderful things mum did for me was I was her dresser. Really? Oh, wow. So Fabulous. even from when That's I was so wee, and probably not that much help, mm-hmm. yeah. I would, after school, uh, on the... <clears throat> they did a week, Monday to Saturday. After school, I would go with mum and help get her into her dress. Wow. And How old are you? Oh, I mean, I must have been... Eight or something really? at, the, at, the, at the beginning. I because hope you didn't do her makeup. <laughs> no, we had a lovely guy mm. um, doing makeup. Mm. Wonderful guy. He was a Coleman <laughs> during the week in Paisley, Billy. And uh, he was just. You know, see, this is the thing. It wasn't like there weren't all kinds of in betweenies yeah. when we were we. Well, we had this one. He was a Coleman during the week, uh, during the year. Coal lorry, everything used to deliver our coal. Mm. Then come uh, the week of the Paisley operatic, he became Billy the Makeup Man. Yeah. <laughs> and you say, you always know when there's a Paisley operatic show because there's not a bit of juice left in Woolworths. <laughs> Just fabulous. Yeah, yeah. But, so uh, year on year, and then I remember uh, they did uh, The Merry Widow, and that was her first, she got her first line. She just said a couple of lines. Oh, Danilo. Uh, I'm so glad you could come. Now the party can really begin. <laughs> and so, you know, I used to rehearse the, the line with her. And, and we used to sing a lot at home. All, oh, all, the, all, the, all the... I was brought up on um, uh, Operetta, Gilbert and Sullivan, Strauss, all of those. We used to sing all the time. Elizabeth Schwarzkopf was my hero. And year on year on year... You know, I was a little bit more helpful. Mm-hmm. And then one year, they did Magyar Melody, a little-known musical. <laughs> and, there, and my mother played uh, an empress. She always... She was very... She had this aquiline nose. And she, she just... St- I used to... At school, when there was a parents' day, mm-hmm. you used to see... Uh, this is going to sound terrible, and I apologise to everyone who was in my class at school... But as far as I was concerned, you used to see all these wee women yeah. kind of in, like, brown and fawn, a lot of fawn, a lot of fawn, Paisley <laughs> Grammar mums, kind of shuffling and in. And they had their hats. Yeah, and, and then there was my mum yeah. in, like, explosive tangerine or lime green Amazing. with her shoulders back. I'm, I've always been blind as a bat, but even without my specs, I knew my mum by the way she walked. Yeah, Just really. like she... And I was like, wow, so yeah. why, whoa, I felt really sorry that nobody else had a mum like, like mine. Yeah. And so she, always, she was always playing a, a duchess or an empress mm. or whatever. And this uh, Magyar Melody, she played Empress Elizabeth. Take this miniature, my child. <laughs> it may bring you happy memories. <laughs> that was a big dramatic line. And there was a part in it where this um, stage-crazed mum 
dragged her ghastly child in to present her to a big producer. And mum got me that part. So that was like the first time. Oh, wow. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I must have been, I don't know, 10, 11. And I got a costume and they did my hair in bunches <clears throat> and they, they put the stuff so my two front teeth were blacked out <laughs> and I had to do this thing where you know, I had to go <gasps> and pretend I was going to sing something and then I was cut off. <laughs> but being out there, and that was the King's Theatre by that time. Mm. It was that, and you know, so mum... Got me that. The King's Theatre in Glasgow. King's Theatre in Glasgow. My goodness. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, start at the top and yeah. work your way down. <laughs> um, but and I got to go to rehearsals and I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. Mm. And, and I got I shared mum's dress. Mum was in the principal's dressing room by that time. <laughs> and so after and then after that I was so always it was the smell of the grease. Oh God. And after that I was always it was a big big thing in my year the the Paisley the Paisley show and it the the year she died the month she died was a huge turnaround because I mean I she was wonderful wonderful and the Paisley show was the week before she died my goodness did she do it oh yes she was Valenciennes in the Merry Widow we are cabaret soubrette. So there's this bit in the, the second, third act, second act, where she and her friends, for a joke, dress up as grisettes, you know, chorus girls. So she had on this basque, you know, stockings, suspenders. Wow. And, um, you know, it's your mum. You don't think of your mum in a sexual yeah. way. Yeah. But there was one night where I'd got her into her basque, feathers in the hair, all of that. Out she goes, and along the corridor, it was the old, before the King's Theatre got all overdone, so both the principal's dressing room, the men and women were opposite each other on the same corridor. So mum goes out, goes down towards the stage, and I looked out, and just as I looked out, there was three heads from the male principal's dressing room just popped out. To look at yeah, and watch my mum sashaying, <clears throat> sorry, sashaying down the corridor. Yeah. And it was this kind of light bulb moment. I thought, oh my God, these guys fancy my mum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they think my mum's sexy. Yeah. And they go, my mum is sexy. <laughs> no, and it was, ju- it was a real... Because you were 17. Uh, yeah, I was seven, just newly 17. And just turned 17, her... 41. 41 young. Yeah, I know. And it's... It was a, a real revelation, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so I, and I, I had... Uh, oh, no. um, my mum had taken me... She went uh, for singing lessons. She went to a lady who was called the Queen of Scottish Sopranos, Joan Alexander. <laughs> and mum took me to Jonesy and I had singing lessons with Joan Alexander and we've got all these you know she shaped the music and everything she really we've got this it's now it's almost almost like a wax cylinder but we've got this recording that um, my uncle Bob 
made on a reel-to-reel tape recorder. And uh, I always used to sit with Mum when she was practising her songs for Jonesy or any of the other stuff she did. She was in the concert party and whatnot. And there was uh, a song she used to do called La Pastorella, and which, which is a kind of coloratura thing, but the... The accompaniment is about dum 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 And I was doing piano lessons. So for this particular recording, what we did was I did the dum 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 accompanying her and she did the verse, which was all wonderful. And then the bit in between the verses was and so mum came and sat down and played the difficult bit in between verses and then got up again and sang. But um I, you know, I, I feel terrible when people talk about their mums or their dads and go, oh, when they'll say, oh, I don't talk to them anymore. I can't oh, imagine that. Awful, that. Yeah. Was your father devastated? Oh, uh, that was, um, uh, I understood that people died and I understood that people died suddenly and mm-hmm. I understood all of that. But um, when mum went away to the hospital uh, about four o'clock in the morning, there was a phone call. So I came hurtling down the stairs with dad. And I don't know what they said. I think they just said, come to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And he went off and I waited at the bottom of the stairs. Uh, and then um, I just saw his outline. Because we had that horrible glass that's kind of oh, yes, textured glass. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the one. Yeah. Um, and it just—it was that kind of tobacco-stained colour, so everything just looks a bit mm. mucky. So anyway, saw his outline, and I opened the door, and he just said, "Oh, Kate, it's terrible. Mum's dead." And he burst into tears, and he put his head on my shoulder, and. Uh, I didn't know that could happen. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I knew uh, people died. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that there was anything in the world that my dad couldn't Hand make right. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I, I suppose I expected him to go, you know, mum said, that's terrible, but, mm-hmm. you know, we must pull together. And he, because I, at that time, I had no idea that they were the love affair of the century. Yeah, of course, yeah. I didn't know about any of that. I mean, we're Paisley Grammar. No, you, nobody did cuddly, yucky things. Yeah. You, I just thought that mums and dads were together because mums and dads were together. Scotland of that time, parents and children didn't cuddle very much. No, 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 no. And all that, all, and all that, love you, you're puked. Yeah. You're puked. Yeah. Um, you just knew. Yeah, you just, you, you just absolutely knew that. I don't know if even I would have used the word love, but I just knew that nothing bad could ever happen to me because mum and dad were there. Yeah, yeah, and nothing bad would ever. Happen. But I, it, you didn't think I didn't think that mum and dad loved each other like people did in the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so. I, I just didn't... But that's yeah. something to cherish, though. I think it's wonderful. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, now, when I look back, 
I can't imagine what dad what it must have been like. What it must have been like. But what what happens then is you put that kind of love on a pedestal and think, you know, I want to find that, but I will never find it. Or, you know, you think you never find it. Because um, my parents as well, I mean, they only had 13 years together mm. and five children in the end. You know, mum was... Busy pregnant. times. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they were the huge love affair, you know, and as the same as you. And, and you end up... But I knew that all the time. I had a very secure, you know, I just... But as you say, in Scotland they don't have... So you knew. Of you course. Knew. I mean, and... Do you, just, have you told her about your dad? I don't know. What I think happened? My, my dad was killed in a car accident oh, when I was 11. Shit. And uh, mum had four children and one on the way. <sighs> and she was only a couple of months pregnant at the time. So oh, And she was only 34. God. And he was 43, so... Yeah. Nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. And that changes your life forever. Yes. When you're at an impressionable, because my thing was 11, and I thought, how am I going to get through my teenage years? Was what I thought, you know. Uh, You were 17, which is still quite impressionable. I mean, I I was was, turned 17 in February, and mum died in April. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just about to sit my hires. My dad died in April as well. No, good month. I know. and I just, I remember, I just thought the only thing I knew how to do was sort of soldier on and uh, mm-hmm. make well, everything, have, yeah. make everything okay. And I thought, if I just make everything okay, yeah, then we'll take everybody along with me, yeah, and everybody yeah. will be Did okay. Did you have to step up then and look after your dad? Well, because dad, dad just he kind of went up into his bedroom, and I just have this still. If I close my eyes, I can see him. Mm-hmm. in his bedroom sat beside the window with the lights off just staring out the window mm-hmm. and it 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 uh, you couldn't do anything and I, you know because i didn't have a a, a massively developed edu- you know emotional vocabulary yeah. i had no idea How what to. was happening and i thought well i've done all the things you know good results in exams mm-hmm. that there's this those are always those are the things that make mum and dad happy. Yeah. Why is it not working now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I have never baked so much in my life because <laughs> really? and you know I I was I phoned round everyone and I was like hi Gran yeah yeah mum's dead and so I mean did, did you yeah I I phoned everybody and of course my grandma auntie Sadie and we had this wonderful woman Anna Rusk who'd come as a home help. When the kids were born, what the kids? The kids. <laughs> when Mandy, Susan, and Jeff were born, and uh, she just stayed with us all the way through. So there was then there was people around, but mm-hmm. uh, and I remember uh, we got the guy for the funeral, and um, I, I just I, I just chose hymns that I really liked. Of course, idiot. I chose uh, Oh Love That Wilt Not Let Me Go. <laughs> And the Finlandia, Be Still My Soul. Because the place was in floods. Because we had like four-part harmony because the entire Paisley Operatic Society course, turned up. Yeah, and Did and your I, father not engage? No. Mm-hmm. No, he was destroyed. Yeah. He was destroyed. Yeah. Um, and I, said, I, just, I just thought, ah, you know, soldier on and that'll be fine. Dad'll catch up mm-hmm. next week. Um, Do you think your mum instilled that kind of attitude with... It to you or was it your dad or I, I think that was more 
a copstick way. Yeah, the Whitakers were more, much more kind of, um, you know, artistic and whatnot. But the copsticks are very paisley, you know, working class. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, what led you away from home? Did you go to uni? Well, well, I, yes, because I thought uh, that would be a wonderful thing to do to cheer my dad up. Because I was going to go with mum. Well, mum was there. Uh, probably I was going to go to do uh, English and uh, psychology uh, and probably end up being an English teacher mm-hmm. or, or something because and join Paisley Operatic Society. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then when mum went, uh, I went a bit, I, eventually I went a bit funny and uh, so. Well, you were holding it all together, so your grief would have. It, yeah, it takes a long time to and and yes, and I just went a bit meh and mm-hmm. got some fantastic pills. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, Is it when you were at uni that you went a bit? No, it was it was before that, yeah, yeah. and and then what I did <laughs> uh, at seventeen, I got an interrail ticket and went off around Europe oh, with too much coal around my eyes. Mm-hmm. A lot of cheesecloth and no shoes because that was my thing. <laughs> but and I, ju- I don't know. I hope it was the summer. Oh, it was the summer, yes. <laughs> and um, and some of the happy pills. Uh, and then I don't know. It all just was so mixed up. And now I'm not going to go back to school. Uh, and I thought I know what I'll do. This is it. Big surprise. I'll go to university and I'll do law. Oh my gosh. Because. Again, that's like, woo, it's a great thing. And I thought, that'll sort everything out. Mm-hmm. Everyone will be so, you know, impressed. They'll forget that mum's dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that didn't happen. And I... You studied, started studying law? I finished studying law. Did you get a degree in it? Yeah, uh, oh. but I, ju- I just, oh my God. And it wasn't, it was great. Law's fantastic. I'm so glad I did it. Uh I'm very glad. I think you would have been a great barrister. Well, I did. I did. um, I did uh, my apprenticeship with Joe Boltrami. Oh, did you? Indeed, in Glasgow. Which was fantastic. And then your father would have been really proud of you. Oh yes. Oh yes. But you know, somehow that doesn't make up for the fact that the love of his life has died unexpectedly of a brain hemorrhage that our Muppet of a GP and several hospital doctors had diagnosed as cervical spondylitis and given her a collar to wear around her neck. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a that was a, a life. I have never trusted a doctor since then. Mm-hmm. I don't care what they say, I will go and look it up. And Well, when my dad died, I never believed in God after that. Ah, did you believe in God before? Well, they taught me at school that that's yeah. what we had to do, mm-hmm. so... And, you know, we didn't go to church, but we were, you know, Christians. Yeah. yeah. But from that day, I never believed in God. What kind of Christians, though? <laughs> we were Lutheran, Norwegian. Good God! I know. <laughs> I know. But the Lutherans are, are the Northern Europeans, you know. Yeah. But that's not fun, is it? That's not, like, fun God. That's that's angry God, isn't it? Like, Probably. Louis free and whatnot. Yeah, I, I don't know. Because my gran, my dad's mum, uh, just the most amazing woman unbelievable woman in every single way except that because of her upbringing 
knew she could tell a Catholic a hundred yards. Oh, I've heard by that. By their wee That's Catholic so eyes and their wee Catholic mouths. Yeah, well, uh, or a left footer. Yep. As they call oh, it. Oh, yes. But it's still, who was it I was talking to just the other day? Uh, oh, I know, it was Shireen thingy on um, on Radio Scotland. I was mm-hmm. okay. she went, she said, uh, uh, I'd been looking you up because it was her show and I went, oh, for goodness sake, did you get the pornography? And she went, no, I didn't. <laughs> so, so I thought maybe they'd take well, that Well, I'm trying to get on to oh, that. Oh, sorry, sorry, I'll shut up now. <laughs> anyway, it was just about when you're from the west of Scotland, uh, or not so much now, and you met somebody when you're maybe down in England, they'll say, oh, what's your name? Copstick. Oh, really? Oh, that's funny. Where are you from? Paisley. And then you can just see them thinking, okay, that's telling me nothing. Yeah. Question number three, what school did you go to? I.e., are you Catholic or Protestant? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, it was Catholic school. Sorry, I'll shut up now. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I went to a Protestant school, did you? I went to the Paisley Grammar. Which is Protestant? Well, it's supposed to be just the cleverest children oh, in but the you were area. Clever. Or you are clever. <laughs> <laughs> you Thank you. It's all going now. All going now. It's yes. drinking the drugs over all these yes. years. Uh, now you have to shut up for two minutes right, I'm while shutting up. I... Right, uh, we're only at you finishing university and becoming a lawyer yeah. and uh, deciding to perhaps, yeah, perhaps <laughs> to become an advocate, which, as I say, you would have been good at. So what changed your mind and how did you get down to London and, and become... Well, I, I never... I, I realised... It's a simple way to get uh, Yes, as quickly as possible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I realised... I'm glad I realised I would at that time I would have been a terrible advocate because I was so horrified at the corruption and lying policemen and how the whole system really? is it's a it's a big fat middle class system geared against working class people. God. But so, also on top of that, if you were with Bill Trami. Uh, some of the cases, because there was, you know, the mob, and all, not the mob, but, you know. They were lovely. You know, that was just very briefly. That was one of the cases uh, that made me think, well, as my dad always said, the game's a bogey. Um, uh, Walter Norville, who's known as the Glasgow Godfather, we were um, uh, representing him. And I was up to see him in the bar ale and everything. And the, the, it was a huge armed robbery case. And um, the, the police's big bit of evidence, the, the crunch bit of evidence, was that Walter Norville, who had successfully run a massive criminal operation across the west of Scotland for about 20 years, mm-hmm. uh, suddenly had got his gang to commit a massive armed robbery put all their sawn-off shotguns in the back of a brown Ford Granada and park it outside his house. <laughs> that, was, that was the big... Don't but, tell me he got off. But we found the guns in the boot of your Ford Granada outside your house, yeah. said the police. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just not going to happen. You know, he was convicted. And afterwards, I said to him, are you not going mental with that? I mean, this, they're just lying yeah. And they're all up there in their smart suits saying, yes, I can corroborate what my colleague said. And Walter Roberts said to me, he said, no, I see, the way, the way it works, he said, I've got off with a lot of things that I have done. Mm-hmm. He said, so now I'm going down for something that I haven't oh, done, well. and you've got to just see it swings and roundabouts. Oh, you mean they were planted in, in the... 
Sorry, I'm very. He's naive. a master criminal, yeah, Karen. Yeah. He's not. He's not going to come away from an, a massive armed robbery. Cops everywhere. Park his Ford Granada right outside his own house with a boot full of son-off shotguns. No, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But so, <clears throat> I was so angry with the whole system. I thought I'm. I will do stupid things. Mm. I will fight fire with fire, and that we madness lies. And as we'd have made a great television series. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can see it now. Fighting fire with fire, starring Kate Copsey, LLB. Um, but you never forget how the degree teaches you to think, and it's great. And I do loads of stuff now, and especially in Kenya, because it's great being able to give. This sounds a bit wanky. Give people a voice who haven't got mm. a voice, mm. because it sounds to me that you have sacrificed an awful lot to help other people which is just incredible. I mean, most people have their home comforts and, and still help people, but you have sacrificed all that. Uh, that makes it sound a bit uh, worthy. Uh, what happened well, it what, is worthy, Kate. What happened? <laughs> it's incredibly worthy what, what you ha- do. What has happened is that uh, did a bit of acting, mm-hmm. then very quickly, luckily enough, was asked for some reason, who knew, to go down and uh, talk to the BBC about being a play school presenter. Yes. And, uh, oh, that was hilarious. I I just thought, what the, is all this? This is going to be a longer podcast. That's fine, I'm happy. Um, And so got got that job, did that four years, and that means, you know, they say you only get work through having work, which is true, so loads of telly, more telly, and that. You did, lo- you did a lot of telly. Tons and tons of telly. Oh my God, did you? I've, oh, oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Oh. No, and you I were used not to, paying. I used to be someone. Yeah. <laughs> I still, used to be someone. I could have been someone. a contender <laughs> instead of a bum, which is what I am. So you were a play school You're presenter. Not a bum. How on earth did you go from a play school presenter to porn? But, well, uh, play, okay, so play school. <laughs> well, well, I would like to introduce that. Um, in a kinder way because I understand that you were an editor in a magazine for ethical porn for you did ethical porn for women is what I was told really? the the problem with porn is that it demeans women and you and you are not that type of person no 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 but I don't think uh, I I think it depends on Saying saying porn demeans women is like saying food makes you fat. It depends on the porn that you're looking at. Mm. That's right. There is, oh, I mean, people yeah. say porn like it's one yeah. thing. Porn is like drama. How we've jumped from you being in Kenya most of your, the rest of your life looking after all these wonderful well, I, people I actually, into porn because they're porn... Not, they're not... Uh, I mean, I think it is... Maybe it's the same kind of thing. I don't like injustice. Mm-hmm. I do not. I hate, um, you know, one group of people unhindered by any knowledge whatsoever making judgments on another group of people. Now, that is practically the whole of social media nowadays. Yeah, exactly. Um, just what we were yeah. saying. And, and people do love, I think it's because in the Western world, we've got bugger all to bother us. Mm-hmm. You know, most of us, most of us, and certainly most of the people who are on social media, mm-hmm. you know, who are mainly, a lot of them, 
fairly pointless people. They're working in the art, and if they were all wiped off the face of the earth, nothing bad would happen. As we all know, it's all relative. We have to be tolerant of of people's problems, but in the main, I agree with you. I mean, not many of them have gone through tragedy early in their lives, which makes you stronger and harder and 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 you have a different opinion not many of them have gone through anything at all Mm. (laughs) and i mean it is something that that worries me now i mean the love island generation is a generation that i am not particularly interested in but it's it's terrifying for them because kids that are growing up now growing up now in this this world world. in the western world it's nothing it's like they've got uh, detol wipes that, that kill 99% of all known household germs yeah. so they don't ever see a germ they've got mums and dads and God knows all what advisors to make sure that nobody ever says anything near them that might upset them yeah, you know, how, how, yeah. how are you going to grow up how are you well, going to become yeah. a person Yeah, I know but I feel that you have sacrificed a lot of the good things in your life for other people, which is so commendable, and other people would not do that. Well, I think what I, what is, you know, I'm, I'm, okay, I went to Kenya, I'd done all the acting right, stuff. Right, here we go. Did the acting stuff, did a lot of, then moved into producing and directing That's for right. telly. Mm. You, did, you did a lot. Ended up always. In the 90s, I remember. Yes. Huge! Huge! <laughs> oh, those, those were the days, my friend. <laughs> Um, make a great Edinburgh show, Karen. If only I could find a venue. Oh. Um, <laughs> but you were, you were, you did a lot. Of I did. Yeah, I did, and I did the the telly coverage of Edinburgh one That's year. Me right. and Warwena Banks. I know. I remember it well. Um, but uh, and I, when I was doing producing, and uh, you're still very much in demand in the Edinburgh scene. Yes, Karen. Uh, let her finish what you haven't. Yeah, no, no, either yet. That's true. Uh, so I ended up not ended up but one of the things I did was I was series producer on Eurotrash oh yes know? I remember with that with Antoine de Gaulle Eurotrash and one of the things on Eurotrash was that there was always people coming in uh, offering to sell you bits of mm-hmm. breastage on film and um, <laughs> before the internet uh, yes exactly absolutely well, that's the thing. Um, and uh, one of these people was a guy who had been doing a, a thing called European Blue Review and he went backstage at porn shoots and whatnot. Anyway, yeah. we got on very well because we both thought that there is nothing uh, basically wrong with porn that decent production values isn't going to sort out. And I'm talking, I'm not talking amateur porn or animals or kids yeah, course, or yeah. women being beaten up and you know having jeroboams of champagne rammed up their bottoms Uh, there's a market for everything and you cannot blame the industry for following the market but most of the industry is not like that Mm -hmm. the mainstream porn industry is so so heavily legislated in the number of things you can do and can't do and but what about the children or the or the teenagers that the influence they get by watching it and what they believe in in sex they think they have to be like these men well okay i'm thinking uh that's that goes the same for 
every industry. There, there are little kids no, but drinking Buckfast. It's not up to the people who make Buckfast to stop the kids. Drinking. They can't. Once it's out there, they can't stop them drinking it. If they've got rubbish parents who allow them to run around with enough money in their pocket to buy a bottle of Bucky, then that's down to the parents. I'm hopeless at arguing these things. I don't know. Down to, it's the, you know, it's the parents. It's not... Almost everything out there can be bad. And I absolutely agree. Um, if a, a parent has not, or a carer, or a guardian, or a, mm-hmm. any of the other... Yeah. Terms. Yeah. Doesn't talk to kids about sex mm-hmm. or love to... or relationships or anything uh, and allows them to get their entire information from the internet. Yeah. Then that is not the fault of the internet. That is not the fault of the people providing pornography. Mm hmm. You know, it's like they say, guns don't kill people, people kill people. Mm-hmm. And uh, but porn, the, porn is not put out there for kids. No. Nobody that I know in the porn... I mean, loads of the people I know in porn have got their own kids. Yeah, of course. And they, they speak to their kids about sex so that if they see some, you know, random plumber coming in with his sink plunger... Uh, far ridiculously quickly considering how long it takes to get a a plumber in real life (laughs) Uh, they're just the most fantastic plumbers in the porn industry because they they arrive like that Um, sometimes even before you've called them Um, it's it's not the fault of the porn industry so just go back and tell us what you so you got involved through Eurotrash well I'd always I'd always been fond of a bit of porn of course Um, aren't we all of course I've have you never, never watched, watched porn? No. no. Never? No, I I happened to watch it when I was in Montreal once because it came up, but never more than two minutes because then I'd have to pay for it. Ah, <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah. very good point. Um, and I, did I, you start producing porn? Yeah, films, uh, I, yes, and, and did a bit of directing and then, I know you're good to laugh and that's fine by me, writing, because they do have scripts. Really? And increasingly, oh I mean, obviously there's a hundred different kinds, thousands of different kinds of porn. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them I find as inexplicable as anybody else. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the the kind of mainstream now, and it's mainly in, a, a lot of it is in Europe, the money uh, is in television. Because anything that's not on television, you can just get off the net more or less for, for free. free yeah. So France and Italy and these countries, they, they can put reasonably explicit porn soft on uh, uh, on TV mm-hmm. and you make, a, you make quite a lot of money and they it's it's just hilarious but, but you could have made a lot of money why well no nobody nobody really makes a fortune porn. the big female stars make a lot of money females make more it's a very female powered industry is it indeed um, I mean uh, increasingly, there's more and more females. One of my good friends uh, started as a performer. Now she's directing, she's doing and writing, and her stuff is very, very high class mm-hmm. stuff and totally female led. Um, the women are, you know, if a, when you 
when you're hiring porn performers, the, the guys pretty much get a flat rate no matter what they're doing. The girls, they've got, they get, depending on what they're doing, they get more and more and more and more. You know, if it's just a little blowjob, they get this much money. Yeah. Uh, the gangbang girls can name their price. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. so... Uh, and the, every female comes to... And I'm talking about, again, the mainstream porn industry. I don't know about the further reaches of people doing it in a cupboard sure. underground. Yeah. Um, uh, but the girls will come with a thing that says... Uh, I don't want to have sex with anyone but my boyfriend. And if you hire that girl, then you have to abide by that. One of my best friends, she was a what we in Paisley would have called a gore. Um, she was amazing. She did really hardcore stuff. But she had this thing: nobody was allowed to touch her nipples. And yeah. you know, no matter what was happening, somebody starts twiddling, you know, the on-off button. Yeah, uh, they would stop. You had to stop the shoot. Yeah. Because that was Poppy said, you can't do so this. So you could do that. Yeah. Totally. Okay and it, you know, it's. And if you talk to. Uh, you know, and there are a dozen reasons that increasingly, uh, when I was working most, there was a lot of Eastern European girls, stunningly beautiful girls, who would come and do porn for a couple of years, make a shitload of money, and pay their university fees. Yeah. Now, I genuinely. I don't see what's wrong with that. Yeah. They knew why they were coming in. They didn't do anything. They, you know, they, they weren't comfortable. Okay, they, they weren't, you know, you, you wouldn't see them rolling around in ecstasy after they'd finished a scene with the mm-hmm. sheer emotional yeah, thrill of it all. It was a job. And I fail to see why it can't be a job, respected as a job, yeah. like anything else. You know, people who make action movies, they are, you know, Vin Diesel or whatever, he is an actor who runs around shooting people on screen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, anyone in porn is an actor who screws people on scene, mm-hmm. uh, on, on camera. Yeah. That, there's no difference as long as they are in control, as long as they are doing yeah. what they want to do. And these, you know, the people are paid really well. Of course, as I say, at the, the further reaches, there are people who are you know, unhappy, but that is not about the porn industry per se. Mm-hmm. Well done, Kate. You have you have um, <laughs> changed my view. <laughs> I'll, I'll get you. I'll get you a few CD oh, uh, DVDs, no, Karen. No, no, oh, no, yeah. oh, I'm scared. Oh, anyway, no. because I really want to us to finish with your your career um, in the fringe because. Uh, there are so many people at this fringe that only want you to come in and do a critic. And uh, Katie's putting her hand up. Yep. She has something else to say. But I really want you to talk about your... Yeah, I think we should finish with that, but I just want to talk about your charity. Oh, OK. Oh, yes. Yeah. You you do the charity. Well, I'll, I'll do the charity. All right. Well, in um, uh, 1991, I made... I don't know how we're going to edit this. I know. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, 1991, I made the world's first documentary about HIV and children for kids for kids TV I made it because part of what we were talking about before you know people don't talk then they weren't talking to the kids about HIV AIDS uh, because of course if you don't know about it then it can't harm you Mm -hmm. Uh, bollocks so I'm like tell because at the time it was all the um, 
tombstones falling down and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I, I made a documentary which concentrated on this is what you can do. I mean, if you're five years old, you're unlikely to be having unprotected homosexual sex uh, and therefore that which is the most... or in shoot, uh, shooting up drugs. So the, the, the ways of, of becoming infected are pretty much none unless you're born positive. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I did this documentary. It went all over the world. It was great. I got asked to co-found a charity uh, which was called Quack Children with AIDS Charity. And I had this big thing that 99% of the children we were helping were immigrants or, or uh, asylum seekers from sub-Saharan Africa. And I went, hello, excuse me, why don't we just go to sub-Saharan Africa? Mm-hmm. But the charity were like, no, 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 we'll stay here and talk to white people. Uh, so 2006, um, we got a, a donation and the donor wanted it to go to a feeding project in Kenya. Mm-hmm. And nobody wanted to go, so I said, I'll go, because the the donor wanted an official from Quack. Mm-hmm. So I went over and, you know, you, you never know when your life is going to change completely. I, I, you've just, and I think you kind of, I don't believe in God. I've never believed in God. But I think when something happens and you get a moment, go with it. Mm-hmm. So went over there and I was very lucky in that I went straight from the airport into the slums. If I'd gone and met any middle class or rich Kenyans, I think I'd never have gone back. Sure. Mm-hmm. Never have gone back. But I met Felista Kibe, who was running this project. She was a woman from the slums who went round during the week and collected food from shops and whatnot. And on a Saturday, each Saturday, she'd go to a different slum village and, Hand out. and uh, cook with the women and feed the kids. Mm-hmm. And I'd never met women like these women. I'd never. It was nothing like it is on. They the, don't speak English, though, do they? Uh, some a bit. Um, Felista does. You uh, really quite good English, um, and I. You know, it wasn't like it is on Comic Relief uh, or Oxfam, and nobody's sitting with a tragic expression and a handout. Mm-hmm. Everyone's running around doing things, yeah. and you know, these women will be oh. Uh, I've got uh, a plastic bottle of water, to, water here. Okay, so what I can do is sell half the water to you and half the water to you. Then I'll have a plastic bottle. I can sell that plastic bottle to somebody else because they'll be using it for something. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have enough money to buy food for my kids tonight. Mm-hmm. It's just... And so when women like that ask you for help, I don't know what could possibly be your reason for saying no, yeah. other than you are, can I say cunt? Mm-hmm. Other, other than that you're an absolute cunt. Mm-hmm. And I might be, but not in that area. So <laughs> I went back a couple of times and I was there in 2008 when it was the post-election violence. Nairobi was burning. Uh, it was hilarious. I arrived and Oxfam and Save the Children were leaving. They were taking all their people out of Nairobi because it was a bit dangerous. And I went round with Felista. And she said she wanted to rescue women who'd been burned out their homes and whatnot. Single women with young children, she said they were the most vulnerable. So we did. And the next morning, I was sitting there with 12 women. And I thought, this is a bit of a disaster. Slightly bitten off more than I can chew here because 
uh, for a couple of years I'd been it was my own money I was spending yeah. but it was like oh dear you need shoes I will buy you shoes or yeah. stuff like that now I'm sitting with 12 women who've got absolutely nothing, nothing apart from a terrified expression and a burning desire to find out where their family is because they might all be dead and so I thought okay okay well, I'll, I'm going to have to I've got no idea what to do I'm going to have to ask them and then kind of let them down gently mm-hmm so I said, what do you want me to do? And then kind of buttocks clenched, yeah. waiting for them Very to say, up. yeah. And what they said was that before the previous night, when the firebombs and the men with machine guns had come, they had each had a little business, like selling green vegetables. Uh, one lady had sold knickers, uh, one lady had sold boiled beans, you yeah. know, snack mm-hmm. food and yeah, whatnot. Yeah. And they said, if I could help them restart their businesses, yeah. and the, the words they used, we will take it from there. Yeah, amazing. And mm-hmm. I just thought, what? <laughs> and, Whoa, what about build me a house? Yeah. You know, but, no. So I said, okay, how much will it cost to start a business? And I remember I had a pen, but I had no paper. So I ended up like um, Guy Pearce in Memento. I had fat figures all over my yeah. arms and legs. And it worked out about £20 per to start person. a business. And that was, I just remember, it was like, oh my God, 20 times 12, it's mm. 240 quid. I thought, I can go to an ATM and just get that out mm-hmm. now. Yeah. So that is exactly what I did. And we bought the stuff for the businesses and we started the businesses and that was 2008 and I'm still in touch with some of these women and all the businesses took. And some of the women, as soon as they could, they went back to Kibera, which was where uh, they, you know, they managed to, because they had income, they could find, they found their families. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, well, this is... Simple. Yeah. Why isn't everyone doing this? Mm-hmm. And pretty much that's what I've been doing ever since because it's just, you know, it's respectful. Mm-hmm. It's not going, oh, yeah, you're, a, you're, a, you're a poor peasant black lady, let me help you. It's going, okay, I'm in Kenya, I'm in slum Kenya. I would probably die on my arse here. Yeah. You, you know how to live here. You know how it works. You know what to do. You know everything. I mean, now, KNL, I could run a great business there. I know everything. <laughs> I know all the cheapest places to buy stuff. Yeah. But um, there, you know, it, it's it's about allowing them to decide mm-hmm. uh, and listening. And over the years, it hasn't. Okay, the negative thing, as you could say, is it hasn't changed. Mama B hasn't really changed. But it's because every time I go there, everything I see tells me, you know, the world is obsessed with infrastructure. I keep trying to get grants. And all the grant-making trusts, they want you to build something, mm-hmm. establish something, do something they can see. Th- that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. People, people specifically women mm-hmm. you you put your money you put the the power into them 
and they will yes. when they need infrastructure yeah. they will get the infrastructure yeah. I mean we now Mama Biashara has a massive network of safe houses all over Kenya we can you come because now what we do um, over the years uh, the, the women that we help now are women and children who are uh, victims victims a horrible word who are subject to uh, rape and domestic violence either within the family or within the community mm-hmm. rape is a big like if um, my friend Vicky wonderful um, uh, said to me I was saying well why 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 she said well it's a very simple copy um, if you do something I don't know if I don't like you I touch your child and that's basically uh, you're the wrong tribe in the wrong village mm-hmm. uh, the, the people will rape you and your children as a way of saying we don't like you mm. you're the wrong type of person it's very very tribal yeah um, there's all kinds of reasons but rape is pretty much the go-to really you know God. we'd like to evince our displeasure at your being around here mm-hmm. so now Pretty much everyone knows, everyone who's right down among the dead men knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who's got a phone who can get in touch with Mama B. And we get, it's like being part of the French resistance, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't, we will never have an office. We will never mm-hmm. have anything like that because the money goes into the people. Yeah. Put the money and the power in the people and then they will do yeah. what they need to do, as I say, we've got all these safe houses because people who had businesses built up their business, did well, bought a house, and the first thing they did was say to us, "I have a place in Kitale. If there are women who need shelter, send them to me." Because yeah. nobody ever, the money never comes back to Mama Biashara. Mm-hmm. It keeps going. My dad, who is never wrong about anything, uh, calls it the pebble in the pool effect. Your dad's still alive? Oh, yes. Oh, he's, how exciting. He's 90 this year. Oh. oh, no, he's amazing. He's amazing. And he has got over your mother. He, 15 years after my mum died, uh, he married, or he met Audrey, who is an amazing woman, and I think saved his life. Yeah. Good. You know? Yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm, I digress from your wonderful no, that's discussion of... Um, it's a very nice analogy the pebble in the water yeah and because we've started uh, we start groups usually of about 12 because there's safety in numbers there's buying power in numbers Uh, the women they can look like if your kid is sick you can stay at home and look after it because like if your kid goes into hospital you have to go into hospital with your child or your child will die because there's no nursing in the hospitals they just lie in beds and mm-hmm. anyway, um, it's horri- it's horrific. Yeah, you know, so um, much. And um, but it, there is so much. But the 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 wonderful thing is because these women have the mentality that they have, which is take a chance, use the chance. Mm-hmm. Then you twenty pounds. Yeah. To start a life, change a business, and our failure rate is like two percent. Because when people, you know, if if you are uh, living in a village, Karen, and um, 
you basically, well, like the last lot of women, the last 18 women we moved, they were in a, a village near the, in the Tana Delta. They were there because their husbands had given them to this village in exchange, in compensation for cattle that their husband's village had stolen. So the husband's village steal the cattle. The other village find out, they come up and go, what the fuck, where's our cattle? Mm -hmm. uh, husband's village say, oh, bugger, we sold them last week. Never mind, have our wives. <laughs> and they give the wives in compensation and the kids go with the wives. And that's fine for a few weeks. And the, the other villager going, oh, fantastic, this is a bit of uh, new nookie. Um, and then they go, well, we're fed up with this now. And their original wives are, we don't like this. So they're, so they are, the, these compensation wives and children are beaten up, they're raped, they're sodomized, they're abused. Uh, we pick them up. We got, some, somehow somebody got to tell us about this. We pick them up. Uh, we move them. Usually we've also got loads of farm lorries now that we can just put everyone in the back yeah. and off you go to safety. Uh, so we moved then, that was 18, and 48 children. Uh, they now are in back in their own home place, not with their husbands, but with their own families. And already uh, the group is 34 strong. Mm. Because they've found other women and helped them. Because when you are at absolutely the bottom, mm -hmm. and somebody throws you a lifeline, you're not going to go. Is this uh, lifeline sustainably grown? Mm -hmm. And it looks yeah, like yeah. cotton to me. You know, cotton's a terrible crop. Yeah, yeah. If you can throw me down one that's made of hemp, yeah. you're just going to go fuck lifeline. Yeah. And you grab it, and. Because you know and because the memory in, in your head is so fresh of how terrible it is, somebody comes to you, you're going to go, look, I, I, I mean, I quite literally have felt your pain. Well, not literally, but um, well, let I me think help you, you. I think you do. And I think you have done an absolutely sterling, amazing job. I can't believe you've given the last 15 years of your life to this. Uh, it's just it's just when you go, every time you know when I come back here and I'm like I really I'm not now especially in Edinburgh my god seven pounds for a wee thing of macaroni cheese I'm wondering oh. I've eaten more chips because that's all I can afford and I'm thinking I am not enjoying having no money I remember being here at the fringe when I could you know import cocaine and drink endless porn star martinis and and it is it's not as much fun with no money it's just not but then I go back to Kenya and you think no 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 this is you why know you this, is, this is why you do it yeah the, these women are incredible and it's, you know I come back here and people are going eh, me too me too and oh this is oh and somebody said something know, nasty and oh I've spent so long on this show and a Scotsman only gave me two stars. And you think, oh, fucking get a life. But the other thing, Kate, is everyone wants you to review them because you are so generous. I mean, if you don't like something, you yeah. can say it. And if you like something, you are so supportive. And you're, you are now 
the top critic in in at the Edinburgh Fringe. Yeah. Hello, Scotsman. Do you hear that? <laughs> calling the Scotsman, calling the, or whoever owns you now. But it, I mean, we, I do get a lot. You know, the PRs around about um, <laughs> March. It's amazing because all the PRs remember what a fabulous person I am. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's been ages since I've seen you. I must take you out for coffee and talk to you well, about... Well, you should take, get them to take you out for dinner. For heaven's sake. But it's... Well, I, I, I think... Okay, in the grand scheme of things, nothing here matters. But mm. um, I... All their careers matter, Kate. But it's... I remember <laughs> from having been a performer what it's like and you analyse every line mm-hmm. I remember I did a thing down in London uh, I did a Sondheim musical and it said as Madame Furia Kate Compstick is a revelation and I thought okay what does that mean does it mean they thought I was terrible and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so, so I know how important it is and if if you love something why not say you love it mm-hmm. you know and uh, critics Okay, it's, it's. I don't know if it's important. Of course, it's important. I think up a here. wonderful case in point actually was Tim Minchin. Oh, uh, I remember that. Because yeah. I, I remember dragged that. you in on that first morning, I, and that first day, and you oh, said to me, yeah. I'll only stay for half. I'll only stay for half because I've got to go to assembly mm-hmm. uh, launch yeah. and I haven't got time. And, you know, blah, and what happened? Well, it was. Um, I was on my way. Karen was outside. Papering, flyering, tears in the eyes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and she said, "We well, come and see this guy. He's really good." And I was like, "No, I'm quite a bit. I'm busy." And she was, uh, "He's in the dining room, dining hall." I'm like, yeah, debating yeah. Oh, the debating hall." Yeah. I thought, well, "That's huge." And I've got my grand piano. I'm like, oh, for <laughs> God's sake! And uh, she went, "I can't get anybody in." And you you just you think several things. One, um. Karen's one of the, the few people who have always taken, gone with your, your yeah. gut. I mean, you're like me. Go yeah. with your gut. Yeah. And you will take a punt. Mm-hmm. And if you genuinely believe in somebody, yeah. then that's what a bit of power is for. Mm-hmm. To help them, kind of lift them up. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, for goodness sake. And I remember, I thought, I'll see half. And I thought, if it's just terrible, I don't yeah. need to yeah. write Feel a review. Because... And there was this weird guy. There was about 12 of us in the debating hall. Oh, my God. The rumbling around. That's not true. It was full. You it was the, not. It was it, so. You're, oh, she's havering. No, and there it, was at least, it was over half full because we papered it. But it, I just you remember were in the back practically row. nobody there. <laughs> and he's up there with this sparkling white grand piano, weird looking bloke, you know, thinking, cool, the big hair. And call on the eyes. You just couldn't not stay. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, yeah, I see. It was like nothing else, which is the best thing something can be. That's right. And um, and I remember I came out and I phoned up the Scotsman and I said, uh, have you got to mention down for review? And they were like, no, no. And he's not on our B list. And Karen's there. <laughs> um, and I said well can I send in a review and he went and they, they said uh, well he's not even on the B list what's why and I said well I think we can either 
be the first people to review somebody that's either going to win best newcomer mm-hmm. or be on the list, or we can be playing catch up in the last week mm-hmm. when the lists come out yeah, yeah. and we're going, oh shit, we haven't reviewed him yet, let's try and get a ticket. Yeah. So, God bless them, they said, okay, all right. So I sent in uh, the review. And it helped sales a bit. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it went. Did you get five? Four? Four, it was four. Yeah, yeah. But um, but then he got the um, uh, Malcolm He. Yes, Malcolm He. The Malcolm He award. Said, or sell oh, sell right. your car to get yep. a ticket. And it's Truth. that is a wonderful thing. It's like a superpower. Mm-hmm. Can I just say this is the longest podcast oh, so we've ever done. Fine. Not at all. The longest podcast. People will be dropping we... off their perch. <laughs> Not a but. You're the most lovely. interesting and the most lovely and you are a star. Thank yeah. you. You are an absolute star. Well, so are you. To, well, to support all these comedians and give them four or five stars and help their careers and to help all these lovely women in in Kenya. Kenya, I mean, you know... People just don't... They just underestimate how fabulous I, I am. Know, That's and a thing. <laughs> <laughs> you are <wonderful>. <laughs> <laughs> And good on you, Kate. Uh, long may you live and prosper. How's your health? It, it's okay. <laughs> another thing that Africa has... Oh, well, we're, I've, got, I've got lupus, which um, uh, isn't great, but it could be a lot worse. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you read... People, if, if you ever go online and you look at some of these lupus forums, there are people who are bedridden, and you know you read these things where it says, "Oh, I have found that I can sit up unaided if I exist on a date of cracked walnuts washed down with my own piss." And you go, yeah. "No, I think," but but not I bad. think it's because of your your energy and your your support it's, of people that you are still. But it's the Scottish working class upbringing, mm-hmm. you know. I think I I. I I feel sorry for the people growing up now. I, I yeah. really, really, really do. I'm glad I grew up when well, I did. did. Mm-hmm. It was an easier time. But we still well, had our... Well, probably not easier. I think they've got it a bit more easy now. Yeah, you've got it really easy, Katie. Oh, no. <laughs> and treasure your mum. Yeah, I know. My exactly. God, how lucky are you having a mum like Karen exactly. Corrin? And you, you will treasure your father. Oh, God. Yeah. He's and the greatest living human being on the planet. Oh, he's yeah. wonderful. Oh, that's so good to he's hear. He's wonderful. Kate Copsick, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you so much, Kate. That was epic.